Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 475 for March 1st, 2019. On today's show, saxophonist Chris Green. Please support the show by becoming a member for just $5 a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. When you join, you get a bonus episode every month. This past month's featured exclusive music from Brandy Younger and an interview with David Adler about a Kurt Rosenwinkel album that he really likes. Again, you can join for just 5 bucks a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. Chris Green's new album is called Play Space. It's a live recording. Sounds like this. saxophonist chris green uh, the new album uh, a live album is called play space and uh, chris it's a real pleasure to have you on the show thanks for taking the time to do it no problem thank you i'm a i'm a big fan of your of your work um big fan of your interviews so thank you for having me so uh i was uh, writing about this album uh, earlier today as we're as we're recording this uh, significantly before folks are hearing this interview but um and as i've been listening to it over the last uh, a week or so since you sent it to me um I really have been having this kind of vibe that there just aren't a lot of people making jazz that sounds like this anymore. And it was kind of really hitting me, and I don't mean this, I know every reviewer and writer says, you know, this album sounds like this. But there's kind of like this this funk soul vibe that guys like, um, you know, Grover Washington and Bob Berg and stuff used to have that. There's a lot of funk and soul in jazz today. That's you know that's undeniable. There's a lot of hip hop influence in jazz today. But there was kind of this period where there was a particular sound that I think is almost lost to the music. And your sound, while not, I don't think it's derivative, and it doesn't sound mired in the past or anything like that. But I feel like it's exploring that sonic world in a way that really I don't hear anywhere else. I, I haven't received any other records across you know my desk that sound like yours does. All of which is to say, um, it's a really, really fun record to listen to. It sounds like it was really fun music to make. And uh, I wonder if that kind of feeling that I'm getting from it is at all you know, where you're coming from as a musician, or if I'm totally just adding my own biases into it. I, no, no, I, I genuinely appreciate that. Um, you know, it's funny, we, 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 the guys in the band, we talk, about, we talk about this all the time. And certainly one of my first... I mean, first and foremost, I mean, you know, genres are, you know, meaningless and blah, blah, you know, all that typical artist stuff. I mean, we'll get to that and stuff. But it, it, first and foremost, I think if you're going to play any kind of funk or any kind of like derived, funk derived music, I think the first and foremost rule is that, you know, funk should be funky. Um, <laughs> and, and I, 
it's just it's just you know it's I don't and and I'm not necessarily saying that jazz musicians can't be funky. I think sometimes and and this is certainly not that this is I mean, this is probably more of a case in like maybe in 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 maybe my town like throwing any shots at anybody, but I think it's uh it's it can it's it's I think it's important that if you're if you're gonna play funk. It's got. There's got to be something for the listener to to groove to groove with, like a, a bass line or a drum beat. Even if it's in a weird time signature, there's got to be an element of groove there. Um, and jazz, by its very nature, te- you know, tends to shift and everything. So you know, we're trying to split the difference between like you know, organic in- organic interaction, uh, you know, and improvisation with you know some kind of some something that grooves. Um, but there's always, but there's got to be that that danceable element, you know, be it funk or be it, you know, tied to, you know, the you know the jazz from the twenties when that's you know that that's what people genuinely dance to. So it, it, it there's, so there's got to be that that danceability uh, to it. But also, just I mean, I've also just I've, I genuinely like funk. I, I mean, I grew up listening to it. I grew up listening to, you know, my dad was a big disco and funk fan my mother was a big motown fan you know so i heard all that stuff growing up so it just it's just it's as much a part of me as the jazz that i listen to every every day or the stuff that i've worked on and you know the solos that i transcribed in college it's 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 as much of what i do as anything else said this first because this is a more concise way to say what I was trying to say I've listened I've spent a lot of time in my car and I listened to I have listened to this record in the car and this is like good driving music I live in the northeast and it's February so you can't put your windows down but if you could this is the kind of music you would put your windows down to like there's a lot going on it's not uh, it's not in any way dumbed down to achieve this result but it is music that has not forgotten the fun it, it strikes me like if I put this on I want to turn it up and that 
I just don't feel like that happens as much as it could, and uh, maybe I'm just showing my curmudgeonly side, but I, I just it feels very refreshing to me to hear music that makes me, uh, you know, for want of a better word, want to roll the windows down and drive faster. What the hell? Thank you. You know, it's we well, we have fun. We have fun playing um, together as a band. Uh, you know, we generally like each other as people, and also just we we we, we like to communicate that that joy to to, to the audience on stage. Now that that, that happened to be a particularly good night uh, because we were at a, a venue, a really really great venue, um, and so it just it was and it was it was a. It was an early night. It was, in, it was a night in January, of all things. It was early January, and uh, and actually, if I, if I remember correctly, we were up against it might have been might have been the Grammys. So the fact that we had people come out that night on a, such a cold, crappy night, and you know, not watch the Grammys was like, all right, this is this is going to be a great night. So. Um, yeah, those um, are the people yeah, that you just, know want to be there at that point. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Bought tickets, sat down, had some drinks. But uh, you know, it, it was uh, it, it was. But it just. Well, well, thank you for saying that. It's like I said. We. I think we just. We. I've always. I've always liked fun, and also just. You know, it's. It's important to remember that it's. You know, all the stuff that we listen to. All you know, from the monks to the Ellingtons. I mean, they they were musicians and composers and performers of their time, and I think that's what that we're we're trying to be. Uh, you know, they were the. You know. They're always pushing forward and striving for artistic excellence and all, you know, all that other stuff that we all try to do. But they were also men and women of their time and, and, and to, you know, to get everything around them and to create their sound. And, and every, you know, it just happens that I, I really, really like, you know, the, you know, the R&B of the 60s and 70s and 80s. And uh, just I've, I've fortunately found at least trying to find a way to, to, to synthesize my interests you know my musical interests in you know in in jazz in in creative in uh, creative modern jazz I guess. So we uh, we shouldn't go any further without talking about uh, the other people who are on this record with you. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a band. There's no there's no question about that. And uh, tell folks who's in this band. Certainly, um, on piano and keyboards is uh, my longtime compatriot uh, Damien Espinoza. Uh, we've probably been in a in bands together the longest. Um, I actually had an earlier band that was kind of the flip side of of the quartet that I have now. He was in the last incarnation of a band that I had in the uh, early 2000s called New, New Perspective, which was kind of like jazz, but maybe uh, definitely a little more on the funk side, maybe like Tutu to, uh, let's say, Tutu or Mandela era, Miles Davis, mixed with like, you know, some st- some straight ahead stuff and some, you know, so it was a little more on the electric, on the electric funk jazz tip. Um, and so he was on the tail end when that band uh, ended, and then I decided to start the quartet. So he was the first guy that I thought of that I wanted to play acoustic music with. Um, and what is it um, about him? What do you what do you feel like Damien brings in particular? Like why why do you guys work so well together, and why does he fit what you're trying to do with music? You know, there there are uh, a, 
a wealth of great piano players, uh, uh, especially here in Chicago. Um, wonderful piano players, harmonic masters, uh, you know, can play, can run up and down the keyboard, just any, do anything you want. But Dan and I, just over the past, we've been working together since like 2001, we've developed this weird symbiosis where, like, he like he well he basically he follows he follows me possibly the best of any piano player that I've uh, that uh, and he, oh, he follows me and I follow him better you know probably and better than any uh, piano player that I've ever worked with um, you know he'll he'll make suggestions you know musically speaking make suggestions like you know how about this or how about this riddle or how about about this hurdle or or I'm going to change the chord this way. How, do you, how are you going to react to that? Or, you know, if I'm playing something and I'm, I'm starting, you know, if I'm starting to repeat myself, as we all do, he has a way of saying, oh, you know what, you already did that, so I'm going to lay down this chord right here, and you're going to have to figure out what you need to do to do something different during this part. You know, and, and so we've, we've been doing that for a while, and, and we played every, we've played in full band settings, we've played together, and uh, we've done a lot of duo gigs together, we done some couple of trio gigs together, and it just like pretty much he's the only piano player that I that I want to play this music with. And it's like oh no, you know, and uh, you know, like I said, it's just it's just a it's a refreshing relationship because he's as good as any piano player out there. But then when you add into the fact that like he's really attentive and like really just um, yeah, just really focuses in on the um, on the on the moment at hand. And uh, you know can can really communicate ideas and communicate suggestions well. Um, I feel like in so, music um, and they, in life, we all benefit from someone who will kind of be pretty honest with us. You know, like push us to not just to not just do what's safe. Absolutely, absolutely, and that, and and people, I think people sense that even not even non musicians, like they they sense that we're that we're that we're trying to push past what we know and uh you know like i said yeah i always say like damien's like the band's sparring partner like i, I sometimes like i sometimes train a, like exercise in a boxing gym and every once you know every blue moon i'll i'll get, in, get into the ring and you know do some light sparring but just that's what that's what i when somebody takes a solo or and it's even not even just me, but just the way he plays with other music, other bands. It's like he's got this way of of prodding the the soloist on, or you know, just helping to make the music, you know, better better than 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 it, than it was two minutes ago. So, as you mentioned, uh, if music, if you're going to play music that people can classify as funk, it has to be funky. And if that's going to be the case, then the the bass and drums are pretty crucial to making that happen. Uh, so, talk about who you've chosen to fill those roles. Okay, so on bass is uh, Mark Piani. Um, now, I, like Damien, I've been in bands with longer. Mark, I've known the longest. Uh, Mark, uh, I think, yeah, I think we met in the mid, uh, yeah, the mid nineties, and we it, we actually we actually both we we ended up at this we ended up in this weird band called Dag Nabbit. That's, that was actually the name of the band, Dag Nabbit. <laughs> the nineties were a wonderful can, time. <laughs> yes. It, and it, I can I can only describe the music. It was actually really it was actually really good music. It, it was um by this guitar player who was kind of on the on the prog rock tip. He's a guitar player, but he was also a sound man at this club in, in 
Chicago called the Beat Kitchen. And so that primarily we, we played it a lot at this particular place because he could get us in there. But it was this really interesting music that kind of swung, but it, it was like re- really angular melodies. It, it was like Eric Dolphy meets like Rogers and Hammerstein. It was like, it, it was, but that's the only way I can describe it. It was like, it was, it kind of swung and they, they were like, primarily the guys in the band, except for me and Mark were like rock musicians. Um, but so we kind of added this jazz, you helped add this jazz element to it. And then like, um, and this really way out lead singer who was, who, you know, who would wear, you know, like a, we had a gig on July 4th. We wore, wore a, a, a an American flag fashioned into a dress and it was just this really way out project, but it was a lot of fun. And, and, and I always liked Mark's plan. And like, whenever I'd get an acoustic gig at the time, I would call him or whatever. He needed a saxophone player. He'd, he'd recommend me. So we always stayed in each other's orbits. And so when my earlier band new perspective dissolved and I wanted to do in a more acoustic band, Mark was the first guy that I thought of. And so Mark is, Mark is great. In fact, that he just, you know, he's probably one of the most solid bass players you'll, you'll ever find, both on upright and electric. Um, you know, and again, he's just, he's, he's, he's committed to making the music better, the best it can be. And so like, you know, if a song calls for him to lay it down like Ray Brown or, 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 or Paul Chambers, you know, he can do that. If it, if it calls for him to, you know, be a little crazy or a little out, like, you know, like a little Charlie Hayden or, um, you know, explore the universe like Jimmy Garrison, you know, he's got that. If, you know, if he needs something, you know, some funky stuff, like some Pino Palladino or Bootsy Collins or, you know, James Jamerson, you know, he's got that covered too. So it's just like, you know, any direction that we want to go, uh, you know, Mark, Marcus, Marcus covered, you know, and, and, and it's just, he's that rare kind of bass player that doesn't call a lot of attention to himself except when it's like time to solo. He's just, he's just committed to like making the groove happen. And so I'm really, you know, really fortunate to play with him. And then finally turning our attention to the drum chair. So in there we have the great Steve Corley and, uh, Steve is a guy, Steve, it's actually, it's, I've actually known Steve probably uh, maybe a little, I've known Mark the longest. I've probably known Steve the second longest. Um, Steve was always the first call sub whenever we needed sub for the band. I started the band in 2005, and he was probably one of our first call subs. Things weren't necessarily working out with our previous drummer, and so Steve came aboard officially in 2011. So I, I tease him all the time. I say he's he's the new guy, even though he's been with us almost <laughs> nine years now. He, he hates that, but I was teasing about that. But uh, but yeah, he's he's been with us now, and he's pretty much been with us over half the life of the band. And uh, so, and he, and again, just another guy that can pretty much go in any direction that you ask. Like, you know, I'll say like, hey, I, I want this to be funky, but I want this to be with you know, I'll I'll, I'll play a certain old breakbeat or something, or I'll t- play t- play a snippet of a you know of, of an Elvin solo. Like that, plus maybe a little bit of funk here, and then you know, I, you know, and then he'll take my idea and just you know, run absolutely run with it. Um, and plus, he he comes he comes from playing in church, and there's something to be said for those guys that come up playing in church. They have to play, uh, you know, an extended period of time with a variety of different moods. Uh, you know, with a variety of different uh, feels, 
I mean, I have to be, you know, energetic and, and really getting the church rocking at one point and then, you know, real reflective and, and, and pretty and uh, in another moment. And he's just, you know, and he, but, but if you play in church, you have to make the music feel, you have ultimately have to make the music feel really, really good. Uh, and so what I like about Steve is that he can take some really complicated time signatures or weird, really weird beat cycles or whatever and still make them feel good to a person who knows absolutely nothing about music. And that I think that goes along that, that goes a long way towards like us, you know, being as uh, moderately successful as we have. take a quick break to remind you about supporting the show you can go to the jazzsession.com slash join for five dollars a month you get a bonus episode every single month if we hit 100 subscribers it's three episodes a month right now we're at two episodes a month if we hit 200 subscribers we go weekly again for just five bucks a month you can become a member and get a bonus episode each month at the jazzsession.com slash join and now back to the show sign of how good he is that the final track on the record which is uh wayne shorter speak no evil is like six and a half minutes long and about four and a half minutes of it is him and it's still totally fascinating and musically interesting and fun to listen to like that's that's an accomplishment i think when you're behind the drums yeah. and, and it's funny that how that arrangement came out like that our pianist damien came up with that arrangement uh and it was funny like he he initially wanted us to I wanted everybody to, and this kind of goes with the collaborative spirit of the band. Like he came in with the arrangement. Like I got this idea for doing the, uh, doing a Wayne Shorter speak no evil song. And, uh, he initially wanted the, you know, the soloist me and him to solo at the, on the chords that the, would, would make up the little vamp up top. And I just, for whatever reason, it just didn't really, didn't really feel right to, I wasn't comfortable on those changes at the, changes at the time or, or, or whatever. So I just said, you know, here's an idea. It's a Wayne Shorter song, right? As I said, and he was like, yeah. Who says that I, why, just because I'm a saxophone solo and Wayne's a saxophone solo, there's no reason I really have to take a solo on this. And he was like, no, I guess not. I was like, what if we just gave the whole solo over to Steve? 
and it just ended up being, you know, it just ended up working out that it, that a song written by a saxophone player has no saxophone solo and is a drum feature. So, <laughs> well, it works, <laughs> and it's a, it's a cool ending to the record. So that's the band, uh, the, the the core of the album, but uh, not the only people on the album. There's also uh, a special guest who plays as well. Uh, tell us about who that is. Yes, uh, actually, a returning guest. Actually, he he played tenor on the previous album, Boundary Issues, and uh, he happened to be in the audience um, the night of, that we recorded Play Space um, with his alto. Um, even I, and I'll forgive him for that, even though you know <laughs> he should have brought it. I'll, I'll forgive him for that. But uh, the great Markwell Jordan, uh, wonderful saxophone player, a uh, great friend of mine. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful uh, stalwart musician here in Chicago. Uh, he's a vocalist and a uh, saxophone player, and equally really, really good at both. Uh, but he and he and he he, pre- he makes his he pretty much makes his living in the so-called smooth jazz and contemporary jazz scene. He's played with like Marcus Miller. He toured for like a decade with with this guy uh, Brian Culberson. Um, you know, just really, really active on that scene, and you know, a hell of a uh, entertainer, hell, hell of an entertainer, hell of a showman, just and a really great guy. Uh, what what got what gets lost in the shuffle with him is that he's such he's so good at entertaining that people forget what an awesome player he is, and that's kind of what I wanted to focus on uh, last time or uh, with the last album where I, you know we had a little kind of tenor battle, you know tenor madness meets you know method man red man meets you know nineties. <laughs> Meets ninety Steve Coleman kind of thing, and so we had that going on, and then um, we got the gig at at Space where we recorded the album, and uh, he actually was on his way to another gig, but I, you know I just said hey if you can carve out some time to come you know we can uh, you know we can revisit the crossover appeal, um, if he if he can carve some time out to come play with us you know if you don't mind hanging out playing one song and he was just like I would I would love so love to and came through and hopped on the stage with his alto, plays, played, played his butt off, and then hopped out, put his horn away, and then spin on his car to, <laughs> to, to play, play his other gig. <laughs> that's, the, that's the most working musician kind of story there is, right? It's like the, it, you're recording a record, and the guy drives in, plays one song, and drives off again, because that's how it is if you have to make a living playing music you gotta you gotta live in that world and man you guys really just spark off against each other so well i mean you can tell that you know you're you're pushing each other pretty hard it sounds really great when mark paul and i play together i wouldn't call it a cutting contest in so much as it is maybe like maybe like a friendly game of like one-on-one basketball you know sure where we're not necessarily we're not necessarily trying to like i'm not trying to humiliate him He's not trying to humiliate me. We're just trying, you know, we're just two old guys in the gym, just like shooting the basket up. Or it's, it's like, it's almost like sometimes, sometimes we're playing against each other. And then sometimes like in, in, in like a span of a nanosecond, we're like on the same team against another opponent. So, and it just kind of like the relate the, the relationship kind of morphs back and forth. And, and that's, that's, that's what I like about playing with him is like, he'll, he'll play an idea and I'll try to, finish his idea and take it somewhere else and then he'll take my idea turn it upside down and be like okay now you have to play i'm gonna take it over here now you have to 
and you have to figure out what you're going to do in, you know, and, and it's, and it's just fun. And it's just like playing with a guy like that, you know, who plays your, you know, same instrument just kind of keeps you on your toes. So, and you know, there's a certain feeling to, to kind of everything you've been saying and, and to the record, there's like a, like, it's not precious. I really like the fact that you use the word entertainer, for example, um, in describing Markwell, because I think, I think that's really important, and I don't think all jazz has to be played that you know that way, like in a sh- uh, with with the show at the forefront. But it is cool from time to time to hear music that's played that way. I like you know I like going out to hear music that's that's being played at a high level, but is also cognizant of the fact that there is people sitting there listening to it. I think that's I think that's really cool, and there's a there's a feel of like let's make this feel good for people. There's a, there's a kind of vibe that runs through the way you talk about the music. And then obviously the way the music is made that I just, I find really refreshing. Listen, I'm all about, you know, you being making your artistic statement and, and being true to yourself. I'm, I'm totally all about that and, and being creative and pushing forward and everything else. But to, you know, to make any kind of living at this, you, you got to play in front of people and the, the, you know, None of the, as much as we like to think we're artists and everything else, all of the people that we love were cognizant of the fact that they were playing their music in front of people. I mean, you know, but you say what you want about Miles Davis turning, you know, you know, being rude or turning his back on whatever that kind of thing. It's like he was very much playing his music for the people. Uh, you know, click on any Cannonball Adderley album. The, the first two minutes of any song are him talking to the audience about what they're going to hear, you know, or, or, you know, Duke Ellington's, um, uh, his, you know, his intro- song introductions are, are legendary, or, you know, just, just, just things like that, you know, you know, Sun Ra, just the, the crazy costumes and everything else. It's just like, you know, we are, you know, we are artists and crafts people and everything else, but we're presenting this music for people to enjoy. Uh, you know, we're not dumbing it down for them or, or, you know, and I'm not, you know, uh, walking out with a top hat or a big light show or whatever like that. But, it, you know, at the same time, it's like I want people to be relaxed and open to uh, enjoy what we're going to do. You know, what, you know, and if they take a CD home, you know, if, if they listen to it intently, awesome. If they just put it on while they're cleaning the house, great if they just put it on the background while they're you know having a party or something that's terrific but it's you know as long as what we do is somehow part of that you know if, if they're nice enough to let us be part of their lives or our music be part of their lives i'm, I'm happy and in, in whatever in whatever way they see fit
Markwell Jordan, everybody. Markwell Jordan. It also seems a little silly that we've reached a place in the discourse about this kind of stuff where you like have to defend entertaining people like that or or where the the assumption is that if you're making art no one will enjoy it they'll they'll just suffer through it and so you can either make art or you can make music that people enjoy or whatever it is paintings that people enjoy or films that people enjoy I think those things can actually go together I mean I think you guys are playing at a very high level you are playing music that's clearly inventive you're you're clearly calling on both tradition and, you know, a, a look toward how the music sounds right now. And at the same time, it's really fun to listen to. And, you know, that's certainly not in any way gone from the the world of jazz. But I mean, I, I do feel like jazz circles the wagons and fires inward more than many other genres of music where that kind of thing is concerned. And that's why, like, I'm really excited when I see people like Robert Glasper hold down a week at the Blue Note and, like, reunite Blackstar and, you know, have Corey Henry in there and just, I mean, just all this cool stuff happening where it's super fun and also at, you know, just an extremely high level of musicianship. And I feel like that same thing kind of carries over, um, you know, in our, in this conversation about this, this music, that it's just, it's cool that uh, you can make music at a very high level and not separate it from the fact that it's fun. Um, you know, hard music can be cool too, um, but music doesn't have to be hard to be artistic. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, inscrutable to be artistic. I don't. I don't think at least. No, no, I mean, it doesn't have to be inscrutable. We don't. I've, I've never believed in the whole like you, you. You gotta know the secret handshake to enjoy jazz. Or you've got to, um, you've got to listen to a bunch of recordings or whatever to to get caught up. I mean, you know, it'd be great if you know somebody hears what we do and goes home and downloads all our stuff. That that'd be awesome. But you know, the thing we forget. I mean, yes, you know, you know, we spent the the person that comes in to see us um, does not care how much how much Hank Mobley I've transcribed. They could care less. <laughs> You know, they could care two, give two craps less about like the fact that Coltrane solo on twenty six two is kicking my ass right now. They don't care any, you know, couldn't care less. You know, all you know, all that nerdy stuff is, you know, that's for us to listen to and get better at and everything else. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's you know, we forget though that a lot the people who come out to see us don't know anything about music and you know they might just want to relax and you know have a have a drink and enjoy some music or they might you know have a have had a really really bad day and you are you know what you do on stage is the thing that lifts their spirits up and you know makes them feel better about what what you know what they have to face tomorrow or whatever so and he just these are these are things i just i don't i don't i don't I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't say I think about, but I take into consideration, you know. I mean, I hear, here's a good example, or just a good example about, like, you know, what music means to certain people. Like, so I was having a kind of, some years ago, I was having a conversation with my, with my cousin's, first cousin's husband. Really, really great dude. Knows everything about, like, old soul and old funk and everything else. And so we were having, like, a family gathering at my house or whatever. And, um, he just happened to look at speak, speak in my office and he saw this big port, this big picture of the Coltrane Blue Train album above my desk. And he, you know, this is a guy, you know, he listens to lots of music, but just jazz, he just never been on his radar. And so he was just like, Hey, 
you know what? I don't really know a lot about jazz. What is it about this guy, Coltrane, that you like? And for 15 minutes, like, yeah, I just completely blacked out and, like, <laughs> oh, my, oh, my God, blah, 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 and sheets of sound, and blah, 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 and, 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 and well, you know, and, uh, Blood Supreme this, and Giant Steps that, and blah, 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 Mobile this, and blah, 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 and Core Changes, and blah, 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 and Free Stuff Towards the End, and blah, 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 and after about 15 minutes, it's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, this is all... That you know, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so finally, I was just like, you know what? You are absolutely right. And so I went to my computer, burned them Love Supreme, burned them. Uh, oh, what's the one? What's the one with the wise one on it? Uh, Crest, burning Crescent, and burned them Blue Train. Put them in his hand. I said, there you go. Take a listen. Let me know what you think. Because all the nerdy stuff that I was talking about just completely went over his head. And that was just a powerful lesson for me. It's just like they civilians listen to music differently than we do. Um, uh, I call them civilians, but they, they listen to music a little bit differently than we do. Um, and ultimately the best way for them to experience it is not to hear me, not to have me nerd out over them and, 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 and be somewhat condescending. It's just, they can listen to it and let me know what you think. And if you want more, I'll burn you more. And if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. You know, I think that's just the best way to do it. And, you know, nowadays, um, given that we kind of have access to everything in the universe, it's, it is, it's, I think it's an amazing time to be alive and be exploring music because for all the people who say, uh, you know, people often ask me what I do for a living. And I say, well, I mostly uh, do writing for musicians and I interview musicians. And then they say, oh, like who? And then I have to say, <laughs> well, jazz musicians. And then I can feel yeah. like, the interest meter drop like down below zero. And that's because right. pretty much everybody I encounter in my daily life thinks that they hate jazz, either hate jazz or don't get jazz. And anytime like jazz is mentioned in pop culture, I mean, a lot of the, you know, the TV shows that I like, or th you know, th comedians I like anytime jazz comes up in any of those contexts, it's always to be ridiculed. And yeah. so to me, when people say they don't like jazz, now that we live in an era where I can literally g give them a link to all the music that was ever created, I can just say, well, tell me what you do like, and I'll find you some, I can find you some, you know, what I would consider jazz that kind of fits into your world. Because the music is so vast, it's so broad, there's so much in it, and to just say, like, well, I don't like jazz because you have, like, a, you know, a conception of, I don't even know what it is anymore, you know, it's Glenn Miller, or it's a lounge singer, or it's whatever it is, I get why you would be dismissive that way, and also because jazz musicians a, a lot of times, like you said, with a secret handshake, or as my friend calls it, the priesthood, you know, they, they make it seem like there's a bar to entry. But there doesn't have to be anymore. We live in this beautiful era where you could turn everybody you know onto music that has improvisation in it. Not to mention the fact that everybody already listens, or many people already listen to music with improvisation in it, and have been for years. I mean, people who listen to The Dead or who listen to the whole jam band scene or whatever, they've been listening to people take 20-minute solos for 40 years. Um, they just Those people were just smart enough not to call what they did jazz. And so, you know, I, I feel like we're in a world where that experience you had with your cousin's husband of, let me just burn this for you. You know, you we can all be doing that now all over the place because the music is available for everyone who wants to hear it. If there's no, yeah, there's no handshake required. Right, and and you know, and, and to and to your point, the kids that like 
you know, the kids that might not know anything about jazz, but we really dig Glasper, you know, or the or the or the or the, the college kids or post college kids that really like Snarky Puppy, like you know those, you know, they, totally. they may not re- they may not realize that they're listening to a bunch of jazz musicians who make this really really stellar band, but that's exactly that's exactly what they're listening to, um, you know, and 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 you actually made a very very good point about like. You, we, we do live in a, in a time where you can access so, so much information, and you know the the, the, the mistake, the, the thing that we as jazz musicians could do, like you said, like we could recommend something like, what kind of music do you lo- normally listen to? Oh, well, you might like this guy, or you might like this woman, or you might like this artist. Like, oh, you're a pretty funny person with, with interesting sense of humor. You might like. Thelonious Monk, because a lot of his music is very quirky and very, very, very unusual and very funny, or 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 just you know very personal. Or you might like this, or you, if you like stuff with really deep grooves, you might like Coltrane's early impulse stuff. You know, it's just you're right. There's so many there's so many points of entry, and you know, musicians we could we could do a lot. We could do we do ourselves and the music a good service if we, you know. Uh, engage the people who don't know about music, you know, and and didn't act like it was just some kind of secret society, you know. And the cool thing nowadays, and I mean, you're certainly part of this too. Uh, you're you're no stranger to this world. The nowadays, a lot of the like hip hop and soul and R and B albums that are huge have like established jazz musicians playing on them. I mean, like the th- <clears throat> you know the thing about guys like Robert Glasper, it's not just that Robert Glasper you know, knows Talib Kweli or, you know, has like run into him in the bars and now he'll, Talib will come in and sit in with him. It's that like Glasper is on those records or like, you know, for David Bowie fans, I mean, there's a reason like, you know, Donnie McCaslin and all those guys are touring to larger audiences now. And that's because they were on a Bowie record. And so people like they were just Bowie's band. And then now they have this whole other audience that's out there. So it's not even like we have to say, well, if you like this kind of music, this is somewhat like it. I mean, now we can actually say in a lot of ways, well, if you like this kind of music, here are the jazz musicians who played on it. And really, we've been able to do that for a long time. I mean, if you know, if you were a fan of Steely Dan, well, here are the 20 you know, jazz guys who are on every one of those records, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's been, that's been the case for a long time, but now I feel like music that is really out there in the public eye, you know, if you dig D'Angelo, well, here's the five guys who are on his record who also made this music. Um, you know, there's, there's like direct connections now. It's, it's not even a reference, like a stylistic reference. It's the same people, which is, I think, amazing. Exactly. Exactly. And even, even, even going, even leading up to that, I mean, like as you know, as a kid, I listened to a lot. My 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 guys were like Prince and Public Enemy and the hip hop I was growing up, hip hop I grew up on, you know. And then getting going to like, you know, I, like I didn't really get to James Brown until I was seventeen. But and it's funny, like all I really knew about James Brown were like the hits, like the I Got Shoes and Sex Machines and stuff like that. But I didn't know. I didn't put two and two together about all the people that I enjoyed in the hip hop realm that had sampled him until I got like, uh, like the star time compilation. And then once I got that and heard like all the stuff that people were, you know, were sampling the stuff that I listened to on the hip hop side even made more sense. And then, then you get to like people like tribe called quest or sampling, not just sam- not sampling James Brown, but sampling jazz stuff. Then you and then every once in a while you come across some obscure um, 
CTI record or, or, or Kudu record or whatever. And it's like, Oh, that's where they got that from. And then you, then you check out like, you know, a bunch of early Grover Washington or Bob James or, or, uh, you know, Rusty Bryan or, you know, that, that, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. So it's all, you know, it, it just, it's all connected in this weird way. And it, it's just, you know, and I, it all just kind of more or less led me to where, you know, what I'm doing now. You know, that's all of that is just is so dead on. And I remember thinking um, when I interviewed Ron Carter and I was sitting at his dining room table and obviously like if you're a jazz guy and you're talking to Ron Carter, you are you are plugging directly into like an ocean of history. But I was equally excited to be sitting at his table because Low End Theory is one of my favorite albums of all time. And he I mean, he's not just sampled, he plays on it. And, right. you know, and so I was like sitting there like. Yeah, that's the basis from excursions, (laughs) you know, like, yes, all that other stuff is true, too. And I love that music as well. But like, of course, I asked him a question about tribe just because that, you know, that's a part of who I am as well. Um, And yeah, I just there's so many connections that we can make for people, you know, and I think I think we can make, you know, this music so much more open to folks by telling them that the music you already listen to contains many of the people you know out there that we're trying to tell you about you know it's not there's there like you said there's no secret handshake you're already listening to these musicians you know let me just show you where yeah. you know or or the, the stuff that i don't know you know it's possibly you know it's it's more than likely that a guy like, like bruno mars or whatever owned more than a few earth wind and fire albums oh no doubt yeah and <laughs> And so, and Earth, Wind, and Fire, you know, that's, it's a bunch of, bunch of jazz musicians. It started as a bunch of jazz musicians in Chicago, you know, headed up by the guy who used to play drums with, you know, Ramsey Lewis in the, in the sixties. You know, it's just like, you know, that, you know, that you can, you can keep going back. And then who was, who was Ramsey Lewis? One of his prime influences was, was, um, was Ahmad Jamal who, you know, recorded right here in Chicago. You know, so it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's just weird. You know, there's a definite, there's a definite lineage, you know, and, and, and at least, you know, as much as I enjoy the funk, as much I enjoy incorporating that, it's also never occurred to me not to, you know, look back at the, at the obvious lineage, you know, of, of, of both, you know, the funk stuff and the, you know, the, you know, the straight head stuff. It's just like, you know, it's, it's 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 helped me immeasurably, you know, to to transcribe all this Coleman Hawkins and Lester Young and stuff because you know they were essentially playing the swing and dance music of their time and it, I mean and listening to all that stuff and and transcribing all that stuff has helped me negotiate a lot of the trickier funkier things that I'm working on today. So it just it just it I think it, I think it all it all just helps. You know, any any it, it all it all serves to hopefully enhance what I do. Uh, both as a player and as a writer and as a band leader, you know, it just hopefully, you know, it helps, hopefully it helps enhance all that.
so we already mentioned uh, that there's one Wayne Shorter tune, which uh, ends the record. Uh, will you talk about uh, the source of the, the rest of the music? Sure. Uh, so Blues for Dr. Fear is a song that was recorded on a previous album, Boundary Issues. Um, the song written for my son. Um, and he's seven years old now, but when he was four or five, uh, well, well, you know how most kids, like, there's that old joke that there's an extra kid living in, live in a house named Not Me when something goes wrong and gets broken. <laughs> yeah, so too true. My, 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 son, my brilliant son actually had the foresight to actually create a character for when things went wrong. So he actually named it, named himself Dr. Fear. So whenever something goes wrong, he, he, he would blame it on Dr. Fear. So it's a, so, but the song itself is, um, it, it's a it's a it's a kind of a shuffle blues in eleven eight most of the time, and then it goes into a twenty it goes into a twenty four bar form of of, uh, of for for uh, solos. Uh, I basically kind of envisioned it as, as like what would happen if if like say the Yellow Jackets recorded for Chips Records in the set in the sixties. So that's kind of five. Kind of who's kind of concocting there. Thunder Snow uh, was written by Damien Espinosa. Um, he, he envisioned that as like a 24 bar blues um, but that, again that was another one of those cases where just like the solo section seemed a little clutter, cluttered so what I did is I just kind of like you know did, did the Ornette thing and just kind of threw the threw the changes away and said alright what if we just acted off the melody and just watch me for some tempo cues uh, but what if we just you know once we play the melody then everything else is just kind of like negotiable so that's what we did there uh, Clean and Clear, the third song, is a really beautiful song um, written by Mark Piani. We actually did a studio version of that on a, one of our previous records called Music Appreciation. And it's just a really, really beautiful, like, kind of straight eighth Afro-Cubanish kind of song uh, that we really just kind of got to stretch out on and, and really groove out, and, and uh, that's always fun. And you're on, that's the um, one you're on soprano on that one, right? Yes, I'm on soprano. Yeah, yes. that's really, yep. which is really just a really beautiful melody, and uh, you know, just one of those perfect. Like I, as I could hear you, I am also, although not at your level, but I'm also a soprano saxophone player. And uh, as I was listening to that, I was thinking like some melodies just you can really only play on soprano saxophone, and that that really felt like one of those. It was kind of a perfect marriage of that instrument and and the music. You know, I don't have to tell you that working on soprano it's a, it's a lifelong battle. Yes, uh, it is, and battle is exactly the right word. Yeah. <laughs> Just getting a nice tone and getting it not to sound like, you know, a, a goose, you know, like it's <laughs> getting it to sound like really, really. Um, so that so that's been that was fun. Three and six, uh, was a, written by another one by Damien. Uh he wrote this for his, his two sons who are now teenagers and pre well then one's a preteen and one's a teenager, but when he wrote the song, uh they were both th- they were three and six respectively. And uh, we originally recorded that for an, an earlier live record called The Group Effort, but uh, it just—it's just such a great song, and in um, and the and the—it's it's such a pretty song. And then we've kind of taken the ending to kind of like make it almost a little a little gospely kind of tinge towards the end. And uh, so that—that's always a fun one to play. And I really and did then, when uh, when songs come back because um, that doesn't happen as much anymore. Like it's a little harder to make. Well, in one sense, it's incredibly a lot easier to make records, but in another sense, you know, it's not like 
you know, okay, let's go into the studio and record all these tracks, and then, you know, a year later there'll be a live record of us playing all these, or or after we've made three studio albums there'll be a live album. Like that's, you know, that's kind of used to be pretty standard in the rock world and even to some degree in the in the jazz world too. And it's cool to hear songs evolve over time. Like if you know you recorded this song ten years ago and then we get to hear it again. I mean, you can hear what 10 years sounds like, you know, in the band and your approach to the music. And so I, I like it when things turn back up because it's kind of cool to watch, you know, just watch people have different perspectives on the material over time. Absolutely. And I can, I mean, I can tell, like, to your point, like, I've, I've definitely gotten a lot better. I think I've got, I've gotten a lot more, I've developed a lot more patience. Like, I think when I first recorded the song, I was just like out the gate, like, playing a lot of notes and it, and it, and and just really just like something to prove with it with i think with this uh with this well, I mean, you, could say, you could probably say the whole thing about the whole about the whole album but definitely on on this version of three and six uh specifically like i'm definitely a lot more i've been definitely listening to a lot more ballad playing by this by this time so i can i can just like i can i can i can create a melody in the moment as opposed to just like trying to you know trying to negotiate the changes you know i can actually just like relax and make a melodic statement so i'm really i'm really happy with the way that came out and then uh there's uh, the aforementioned crossover appeal um with uh with markwell on alto and uh speak no evil the wayne shorter classic with uh with the steve corley drum solo and yeah so it was just it was just a great night. It was a great night at a great venue. The space is a is, is a great venue here in my hometown of Evanston, and uh, you know they ha- they actually have a lot of really really big acts like you know people like Stanley Clark come has come through there. Bela Fleck with Marcus Roberts has been there. Uh, the Wooten Victor Wooten and his brothers have have had a number of shows there, and so they actually have some pretty decent like national and international acts. So just the fact that they they we were open to like letting a local guy like me have a show uh was just was just a lot of fun and and it ended up being a really really great night so well the album is called play space it's available uh, everywhere and you should go get a copy my guest has been chris green uh, chris what a pleasure to talk with you man i uh, i hope you'll come back it's it's just been a real joy to to spend some time chatting about the music with you well good thank you jason i appreciate it
that's the show. Thanks to Chris Green. Thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music. They're at respectsextet.com. Thanks to Dave Rabel for the logo. The show is on social media, facebook.com slash thejazzsession. Instagram at the Jazz Session, Twitter at Jazz Sesh, J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H. You can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Jason D. Crane. Please do rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get the show. It really does help. Don't forget to become a member for just five bucks a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. There are new episodes on the 1st and the 15th coming up on March 15th, 2019. Guitarist Mike Baguetta. Come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the jazz session. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.